Welcome back, Broncos country and football fans, to the latest edition of the Rocky Mountain Broncos Show. I am your host, Trevor Rich. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor P. Rich. You can also follow our show at RM Broncos Show on X or Twitter, whatever the heck you call it these days. I am joined alongside with my partner, Jacob Neto. Jake, say hello to everyone. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? It's a... Uh... It's been an interesting week to be a Broncos fan, ain't it? It has been a very interesting week. Gosh, I mean, Jake, we go into this Broncos-Jets game, and you have expectations. Go, well, let's backtrack a little bit. The Broncos had such high expectations going into the season. Now, let me paraphrase a little bit. When I say high expectations, I'm not saying that I expected Denver to win the Super Bowl. But I expected this to be a team that was competing for a playoff spot, and they are just the exact opposite of that. They look like they're one of the bottom feeder, feeders in the NFL, and it's sad to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Which then, in my mind, begs the question, uh, what's happening? What, what are we seeing? What is not working here? Um, I've got a couple ideas about that. First of all, um, I do think there are some growing pains with this. With this, for sure, um, Sean this, Payton was never going to yeah. turn this team around overnight. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think um, I do. I guess I, did, along with you, I did have a little bit higher expectations in terms of this team being able to execute um, Sean Payton's visions on the football field and off the football field. I mean, looking at it, it seems like nobody knows what they're doing. They're just a bunch of they're a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off, and I don't I'm not sure what the cause of that is, but um, I honestly I do think it, it kind of has to start with coaching, and I don't know what what are your thoughts about that? Because I I think you're exactly right. Last year under Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos were one of the most penalized teams in the NFL, and this year, Jake, they're the second most penalized team in football. <laughs> like. That's something that I thought was for sure going to change in Denver this season. I thought Sean Payton coming in, those were the things that he was going to clean up. Now, I didn't expect them to be a 10-7 and football team right off the bat, but I for sure thought that those things like managing the clock or getting the playoff in time, which they have done a little bit better job at that since week one, but they're still the second most penalized team in football, and that's coaching. And we need to see a change there. And it just makes me wonder, is Sean Payton the Sean Payton the Broncos thought that they signed up for? At this point, no. He has not been. But And again, it takes time. I'm yes. not here to say Sean Payton's not the man to, to change the culture in Denver. But so far, we haven't seen really anything good to say, yes, I'm so excited about Sean Payton being here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I have to say, for all his years... Uh, um, in the Saints organization, I, I always felt like even when he didn't have the greatest of players, I mean, he, he obviously, he had Drew Brees for most of his time there, but that's – Drew Brees is obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And so that's I, another I, I, conversation yes. for another time is was Drew Brees the reason Sean Payton had so much sex, success in New Orleans? Right, right. Because I mean – sorry, total, total tangent here, but I think we're seeing a similar dynamic take place with – my New England Patriots. I mean, they're... Talk about a struggling football team. Yeah, yeah. No freaking kidding. No freaking kidding. But um, anyways, I, alas, I digress. And you know what's fascinating about that, Jake, is you look at the struggles that Sean Payton and Bill Belichick are both happening right now. 
I think they're both struggling partly because they both don't have quarterbacks that are helping them win football games. Sean Payton had Drew Brees in New Orleans. They were very successful. They only had a couple seasons where they weren't really in it. And obviously we all know how successful the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick marriage was. But (laughs) you look at it and you can see that how unsuccessful maybe those two coaches have been since they lost their franchise quarterbacks. Now, Sean Payton thought he maybe had a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson in Denver. But you look at Mac Jones in New England, and that's just not working out. And it makes you wonder, at the end of the day in the NFL, Jake, do you think a head coach is more important, or do you think a franchise quarterback is? That's a tough question to answer, because they're they're both leaders in their own rights, correct? You have the quarterback who is the on-field presence, the guy who gets the troops motivated, gets them ready to go, is often the one who can see things that maybe the coach can't, but at the same time... Coaches are kind of that foundation. You know, they provide, look, this is the kind of game we're going to run. You know, what what's our priority? What kind of, um, you know, just kind of, what, what overall plays? Like do we scheming want, yeah, and things like that. Do we want like to be that. a one game? Do we want to be, um, a re- do we want to be a passing team? You know, and, and I feel like they have a better overall picture of like for sure. the players' strengths and weaknesses. So For sure. Completely agree with that. You want a good coach that can help scheme up some, some good things for you on Sundays. However, at the end of the day, though, it comes down to the players on the field, right? It, yep. it comes down to the players executing those game plans. Yep. And when you see Russell Wilson not executing the game plan, you see Mac Jones not executing the game plan, what more can Sean Payton or Bill Belichick do? Right. What's he going to do? Go out there and start throwing Hail Marys himself? It's exactly. Like, it, come on. He, he can only do so much. He can only give the – and that's the thing is both of the – both obviously Belichick and Payton are – our seniors in terms of they've had a lot of years of experience coaching. However, um, I, I do sometimes wonder, are they, is it, is coaching ability the same as athletic ability there where you start to get to a certain age level and that just starts to kind of drop off. I mean, I don't know, but I'm wondering, is that a possibility that we're, we're seeing unfold here? It's a fascinating story. Something That is very interesting. That is going to be very interesting to follow throughout the season. Will the Patriots retain Bill Belichick after the season? That will be a story we will have to follow. My next question is, Jake, you look at the Denver Broncos offense on Sunday. They showed some flashes. We saw Jalil McLaughlin. That touchdown on that on that little screen play where he just he looked like lightning in a bottle. He took it right to the house for 20 yards. He was shifting through New York Jets defenders. Why didn't we see more of that in the second half from Denver? Yeah, that is the question. Also, on a side note, I heard one of the commentators mention in that game the same thing that you and I talked about in last week's show, that Jaleel McLaughlin can serve as that lightning and actually, they mentioned uh, Samaje Pirine as the Thunder. He's so I'm the like, Thunder I'm back. Like, I'm like, all right, so so somebody's paying attention. Somebody's listening to our podcast. CBS, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Broncos <laughs> show. We know that you got all of your game material from this podcast, so thank you. Yep, yep. So shout out. Um, but going back, I don't know. It seems... Based on what I was seeing, over just even overall the team performance, it's kind of like they almost threw in the towel at that point. Like it doesn't seem there was as much passion behind their play. They don't I, know how to win. Yeah. And to be quite <laughs> frank with you, Jake, I don't know how much they do want to win. Okay. Right. 
I know at the end of the day, you're not going to trot on that field with a losing mentality. Some of them might. Some of them might be like, we're going to lose this game, which obviously that's terrible. But I think at the end of the day, some players in this Broncos locker room, we're going to talk about trades. I don't think they want to be in Denver anymore. And that kind of mindset affects a locker room, and it's going to – it's going to affect the culture that Sean Payton's building. And maybe this year Sean Payton's going to find out who the weeds are in the locker room. And he's going to just have to pull them and get them out of there and, and bring in the kind of players that he wants to build that culture that he's looking for. Right, because we saw this kind of attitude with with Michael Jordan when he first went to the Bulls. Boy, that Bulls team sucked. They were horrible. And yet, even though everybody played to lose, he was the one who played to win. And in a sense, he did elevate that team. So my question is, if even just one key player in this in this Broncos team could have a winning mentality, could that elevate them? Could that help build up this team to a point where maybe not even a playoff contender, but where they at least have an above 500 record? That's my question. But Who are the players on Denver that you think right now have that winning mentality? I think Jaleel McLaughlin... I mean, he's undrafted rookie. He's playing for his job every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Pastor Tan, he had a great interception at the end of the game against Zach yeah. Wilson. He gave the Denver offense a chance to go down and win the football game. Nick Benito picked up two and a half sacks on Sunday against the Jets. There's some players on this team that I feel like are worth building around. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I have to go. Well, I have to believe that any rookie who has survived this far into the season on that team has to have a winning mentality. For sure. For sure. It's like... You don't have a reputation to rely on. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, and frankly, dude, you're fresh out of college. You just made the NFL. That is something that very few individuals in this world can claim to do. So, I mean, I have to imagine, again, like you're saying, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, Marvin Mims. I have to imagine these guys want to go out there. It's like, no, we want to win games. We We came here to play, and we want to play hard, and we want to... We want to earn our paychecks, so I mean. Agreed, agreed. Oh, and Marvin Mims, he had he had a rough outing on Sunday. Yeah. He he muffed a punt. Yep. He when Jill, when Samaj P Ryan was pitching a ball to him on a on a trick play on an end around, it just went right through Marvin Mims's hands, and Jets took over midfield. It was just it was a tough game from the rookie yeah. out of Oklahoma. Yeah. Although to be fair, that that miscue on um uh, just on the on the on the exchange, yeah, on the exchange, I think that may have been a little bit. Um, Mills was not to completely blame. I agree. I, I think P. Ryan was supposed to hand it off to him. Yeah, and that's what Mims was expecting. Yeah, he just kind of tossed it to and him. Just, and and, it, and it, it, to be fair, Gosh. I think it hit his helmet as well. There's so, was, so many just momentum swings in this football game. Right, where Denver right. had so many opportunities to win. If they just didn't make those small mistakes, we'd be talking mm-hmm. about a 2-3 and three football team right now. But that's the difference, Jake, between a winning team and a losing team is losing teams always find ways to lose, and that's exactly what happened on Sunday. Well, and that is the biggest disappointment of this Sunday's matchup, is because overall, that was an ugly football game. Neither team played well. Zach Wilson didn't really... He I mean, was okay. He was okay. He, he kind of was just a game manager on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, the, he was the guy they needed under center. I mean, um, we saw in the second half, all the Jets did was run the football. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and to their credit, Brees Hall... Heck of a game. Oh 22 carries for 177 yards. I honestly didn't believe that was going to happen. I, I kind of expected a little bit more backbone out of the Denver's defense, but that's another point. My my biggest concern was that given how ugly a game it was, it's not so much 
that the the Broncos lost to the Jets, but that they beat themselves. Ugh. I it just I think there was such, and that's a, a story that's just yeah. the last several years. It's just that same story over and over again. Denver finds ways to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, and it's it is very disappointing. It's it's frustrating to have to watch, and um, you know, I have to say, I yeah, I was very frustrated. And shifting gears, let's let's talk about Russell Wilson now. If you just looked at the stat sheet, ladies and gentlemen, Russ went twenty of thirty one, one hundred and ninety six passing yards, two touchdowns, had a fumble. That's not a bad outing if you look at the stat sheet, right? Correct. However, if we talk about what we saw with our eyes, I wasn't very impressed with what I saw from Russ. There were so many times during the game where he's sitting in the pocket, looking down the field, and he doesn't throw the football. Now, I know, okay, and we'll talk about the receiving corps in just a second. I know that there weren't receivers open down the field necessarily, but he sits there for way too long. A, a rusher comes from the outside, sacks him, or Russ Lee escapes the pocket. Pocket, he gets tripped up, fumbles the ball, whatever. There's so many times where Russ just hangs on to the football for way too long and nothing happens in this Denver offense. We saw it in the safety in the beginning of the game. Russ is sitting in the end zone. He had probably like four seconds back there. He's just sitting there. And it's like, dude, get yeah. out of there yeah. and throw the ball. Yeah, exactly. What I mean, are you doing? He's a veteran quarterback. You don't just sit in your end zone. Yeah, if there is nothing there, throw the ball away. That's much better than taking a sack. It, yeah, it, and well, and it, it, it's like you have you saw on both sides. You had Zach Wilson just sitting there four, five, six seconds, which is an insane amount of time for your own line to buy you, and just holding on to it. It's like no, if you if two, three seconds have passed and there's nothing there, either get rid of the ball or look for holes in the in the in the D line because that. Those are your two options at that point. You have to pick and choose. These are just rookie mistakes. And I'd expect to see more out of Zach Wilson than do Russell Wilson, considering the resume he's put together in the NFL. And it's just time and time again, he hasn't really gone out there and won a football game for Denver. So when the Broncos caught the ball back with like a minute and a half left at the end of the game after that Patrick Sertan interception, which, by the way, was a horrendous throw by Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. He was trying to ice the game to Garrett Wilson. I don't like the play calling. They should have just ran the football and kicked the field goal. Anyways, when Russ had an opportunity to go down and win the football game for Denver with a minute and a half left, I turned to my wife and I said, I love how this game is coming down to Russell Wilson and the Denver offense. I love how this game is in their hands. I love how Russ has an opportunity to go win this football game. And what do they do? They go. They move the ball about 20 yards down the field. Russ then, he's in shotgun. He hikes it. There's nobody open down the field. He starts scrambling to his left, gets tripped up from behind, fumbles the ball, Jets take it to the house, game over. Super frustrating. Just seems like there's a play like that every single game right now. And you see when Russ is walking off the field, Sean Payton goes up to him and says, why didn't you throw the football away? And Sean Payton's kind of um, kind of getting in Russ's face a little bit, which I absolutely like because Russ is a vet. He's been in this league for over 10 years, and why aren't you throwing away the football and not playing the game? You fumble the ball, you lose the game for Denver, and it's another freaking loss in Broncos country. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear you. Well, and that also begs a question, not to not to go on a tangent again, was Russ's success in Seattle due to Pete Carroll? It's starting to look like it. <laughs> Here, here's here's one of the uh, an example going for the opposite side of the argument. The coaching made the difference in this player's career because obviously Seattle, they're not doing half bad, and they've got Geno Smith at, at under center who 
I, I don't want a bad mouth, but he hasn't exactly had the most standout career. But and, uh, alas, I digress. Um, and listen, Russ was successful in Seattle. He's a great – he's very talented. A lot of his success was because of him. I'm not saying that. But you look at what's happened in Denver. The scheming last year was just terrible under Nathaniel Hackett. We saw Nathaniel Hackett's offense go Nathaniel Hackett at the end of that first half of this game. They had an opportunity to put three points on the board. The clock expired. Zach Wilson is clocking it. He's spiking it. They run out of time. Terrible play calling. Terrible execution. That's on Nathaniel Hackett. So it was interesting to see something like that in this game because that's a lot of we saw a lot of stuff like that last year. But it, it makes me think that when I look at Sean Payton and the scheming of this offense, Russ does have time in the pocket, but none of these receivers are getting open down the field. Now my question to you, Jake, is that scheming? Is that lack of production from Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy? What's going on with that? Why is Russ not finding anyone down the field? You know, tough question because honestly, it seemed for, and this is just, you know, from a guy who's watching it at home off of cable TV, in, I never, it didn't ever seem like, I, it didn't ever seem like they were even trying to get open, which I mean, I agree, with that. which I do think is a credit to the Jets defense. I mean, we knew that the, their defense was going to be a factor in this game, and I do think it definitely had an impact on the game. But I just don't th- – it feels to me like maybe – are they part of the problem? Are they – do they have a bit of a loser's mentality? They're like, oh, well, you know what? I, we're not going to win clearly at this point. The only reason I'm on this field is for the paycheck. Oh, that, Jake, they're absolutely a part of the problem. I don't think Jerry Judy wants to be in Denver. I don't think Cortland Sutton wants to be in Denver. And we saw that on Sunday. Jerry Judy right now is always tweeting and fighting with the media – we, we saw him tweet about Mark Shalera today and how he's just always arguing with players that call him out or media members. But when people call him out, they're justified because he doesn't do anything on the football field. He has all the talent in the world, and he has yet to reach his potential. And I'm just done with Judy. I'm ready for Denver to move on from him. Then you look at Cortland Sutton. He doesn't do anything anymore. He hasn't been himself since 2019. Uh, there was a play where Russell Wilson was throwing it to Sutton on a little comeback route on the sideline. As Russ throws it, Sutton is just sitting there waiting for the ball to come to him. He's a veteran receiver. He's sitting there. He's being lazy. He's not going for the football. And we see Sauce Gardner almost take that to the house, that football. And you just see so many examples and instances from this Broncos wide receiving corps, which, by the way, is the highest paid wide receiver room in all of football. And they are getting absolutely zero production from him. And I think it is ready. I think we are all ready in Broncos country for George Payton, for Greg Penner, for Sean Payton to grab a stick of dynamite and to strap it to this roster, let it explode, and let's just restart and move into next year and see what Denver can do in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that, again, given the amount of capital they invested in Russ Wilson and seeing how that's worked out so far, I think – you know what? We need to. It's time for a re a rewrite. We it's need it's to, time. Yeah, it's it's time for a rebuild. We've held on to a number of players um, for a time now, and in my opinion, if you get three or four seasons with a team, to that's a good enough chance for you to prove whether or not you're you're a valuable member um, of of the ball club. And I feel like again, as you've said, a lot of these players have, um, and they're just they're not living up to the hype. They're not delivering they're just again they're there for the paycheck and that seems to be about it it's it's time to start a new era in denver 
Jake, you want to know how dormant the Broncos' offense was in the third quarter? First possession of the third quarter, three plays, three and out, four yards. Second possession of the third quarter, three plays, negative four yards, three and out. Third possession of the third quarter, three plays, negative six yards, three and out. Okay? Next possession of the game, two plays, negative 10 yards, and a fumble, which was the fumble from P. Ryan to Mims. Why is this offense so bad in the second half? Like, this has got to be one of the worst offensive showings in a second half ever. How do you have multiple negative yardage series as a professional football team at home in the third quarter? You know, Trev, I wish I could answer that. I wish that I could tell you it's because of this reason. And you know what? There's no answers, and that's why this team needs to go into full rebuild mode now. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I mean, again, which, again, as a Denver fan, is beyond frustrating because it's like, it feels like we have been rebuilding for years now. Ever since Peyton Manning left, this team has been in a rebuild. It's like we thought we had... But they've been scared to fully rebuild. They've always thought they were just a quarterback yeah. away. Yeah. It's time to fully rebuild yeah. now. It's like, you know what? Let's just let's shift out our, our starters. Let's bring in the third stringers and the four stringers. Heck, maybe you've got a Brock Purdy waiting in the wings. I don't know. Like, let's... Let's give let's give some of the young guys a shot. Let's see what they can do. I mean, we're one and four. What have we got left to lose? Or you know, our dignity? I don't know. It, let's let's just try some stuff. I don't know. That's but I realize this is coming from a fan, and I have no, nothing to do with the Broncos front office. So they they will decide what is best for the team. I'm just sitting here griping about it. But you know what? I as loyal as we have been to this team, it feels like you know. We should we should be getting more, and um, I think again the fans kind of showed that frustration um, at the game. You know, there was there was a lot to be displeased with, and I, I offense I can totally, was booed yeah. multiple times in that third yeah. quarter. The Broncos country is just tired of what they're seeing. Yeah, this has been a terrible product for multiple years. Jake, under the previous ownership of Pat Bowen in Denver. The Broncos hadn't had back-to-back losing seasons ever under Pat Bowen's leadership. Now they are on like their sixth or seventh consecutive losing season. And you're just wondering, when is the tide finally going to turn? And as Broncos fans, we thought it'd be this year. But you know what? That ship has already sailed. Yeah, for sure. I will say, and forgive me if I'm sounding like an unreasonable optimist, because I am, um... Five weeks have elapsed. There's still 12 games to play. What I'm hoping, what I'm hoping for, being cautiously optimistic about, is that we will see some of the leaders of this Broncos team, whoever it may be, offensive, defensive, start to take some of that frustration that they've been getting from the fans and maybe their own frustration and using that to kindle an inferno. Like, I... We, we know that they're going to uh, we're, we know that they're facing the chiefs this Thursday. I personally if if that team is anywhere near as frustrated as the fan base is right now, take that frustration and use it. Use it to light a fire. Go get, get an this upset. get this cauldron boiling. An upset against the Chiefs would be incredible. It oh, would be Broncos a, country would love a, that. Be, such a boost to the to just to the overall, you know, attitude and I you know what I I would love to see that I would love to see the upset this Thursday but again 
it's as you're saying, are they going to continue with that loser's mentality? Are they going to walk over to the Chiefs and be like, here, have this win for us? Or can we see some backbone? I would love to see some backbone. I think, I think this Denver team is capable of showing that. We shall see. Again, there's a lot of football left to be played. I would like to see at least something positive come out of this season. But I don't know. Maybe maybe the only positivity lies in uh, in the trade deadline. We will see. We will see. And speaking of the trade deadline, should the Broncos go into a full-on fire sale? <laughs> we will discuss this next. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Should the Denver Broncos go into a full-on fire sale? Denver's 1-4. and four. They have Kansas City in just two days. They could easily drop to 1-5 two days from now. And then at that point, you're probably going to shift gears to looking into next season, how you can be a better football team next year. So my question is, Jake, should Denver look to shop some of their premier players if they lose to Kansas City two days from now? That's a tough question because knowing how good Kansas City is, I have to admit I'm I'm a little up in the air about this one because it it's like knowing again how good Kansas City is, I don't think what I'm what I'm hoping for is that if they lose, they lose because they were simply outplayed. Now, if we go out there and we see some of the same crap that took place against New York um, take place up against the Chiefs, then absolutely, I think it is. It's time to start. You know, start the chopping block. Start Kick getting, the tires. Yep. Start getting rid of out of anybody who doesn't want to be a part of this franchise and anybody who has a loser's mentality at this point. Absolutely. Now, if they go in, if they play their guts out, if they show some sparks during the Kansas City game, then I say maybe give it another week. I, you know, I, I, I know the trade deadline's coming up soon, but I do think, as as overcommitted to just extending some of these players' careers as Denver has been, I think you give them that extra week just to see if something. Because who are who? Let's see, who are the Broncos facing in week seven? They have know? Green Bay at home, Green so Bay. that okay. that comes the point. If Denver can somehow pull off the upset on Thursday, well, let's backtrack. On our last show, I said that the Broncos' last stand of the season was going to be against the Jets, and that that game would determine the direction they would go in twenty twenty three which they ended up losing. So I do think ultimately they are going to sell. But if they somehow can go in and beat Kansas City, I know that's a very big somehow. Then you move to 2-4. and four. Following week, you get sort of a mini buy because you're playing on Thursday night football. You come home, you have the Green Bay Packers at home. We saw Jordan Love struggle last night against the Raiders on Monday night oh. football. If you can beat Kansas City, beat, and then follow that up with beating the Packers at home, you quickly move to three and four, and you're kind of right back in the playoff chase. So this Thursday night football, once again, is critical in determining the re- the remainder of Denver season. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Which I'm sure the audience will forgive me. I'm the kind of guy that until the last play is has been dropped, there's no such thing as hopelessness. So I'm gonna string out this hey, this hopeful. String. It ain't over until the fat lady sings. Yep, right? it ain't over until that last snap. Until the the clock the clock runs to zero. So 
Well, let's let's talk about this, Jake. If Denver loses on Thursday, they they really should move in the full-on fire cell. Some of the players I've written down that Denver should look into moving. Garrett Bowles, I'm not super high on moving Garrett Bowles because he's a solid left tackle. Played at the University of Utah, Jake, yeah. one of your favorites. Go Utes. I think that Garrett Bowles is somebody maybe Denver should hang on to because you never want to get rid of a left tackle. And I think that he's someone that you could sort of build around moving forward. Next on my list is Justin Simmons. I think he could bring in a second or third round pick. I think Denver should look to move on from him. Then you have Jerry Judy. I think the phone should already be ringing for Judy. If I'm Denver, I'm shopping him. I'm trying to get rid of him, and I'm just ready to move on from the Alabama wideout. Colin Sutton, same thing. Ready to move on from him. If you can just get anything for Sutton, maybe a late round pick, I move on from him. And I know this sounds crazy, but I would let the let teams call about Patrick Sertan. You could easily probably get two first-round picks for him. Now, I necessarily wouldn't trade him immediately if someone offered me two ones, but I think that's something you could look at and say, hmm, is it better for our football team to take this trade? But I think these are some of the players that Denver should potentially look into moving at the trade deadline. Yeah, honestly, I have to agree with you on all those. Um, particularly, again, Patrick Zertan. Again, looking at the pit that Denver has dug themselves in terms of just trade capital. Uh, they don't have a lot of picks. They, there's not a lot to work with. So the potential to regain some of that, <laughs> I feel like I'm looking at the example from the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner. It's like, yeah, draft picks. If we can get some of those again, suddenly we're back in the game. And that me that makes a huge difference, especially if you're looking to get like new wide receivers for Russ to throw. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Russ, with an improved receiver core, could could make some magic happen. Maybe we could see the old the good old danger us from the olden days in Seattle. I don't know. But I do have to agree. I think that it's yeah, it's time. It's time to start cutting and, start. And Jake, I some. wanna give Sean Payton as many darts at the dartboard next year at the draft that he can possibly have. Let's deconstruct this roster. Let's let Sean Payton construct it exactly how he wants it, and then we can truly evaluate if Sean Payton is the man to lead the Denver Broncos going forward. And Pat Sertan is going to bring you the most trade value out of any of these guys by a mile. And I think Denver needs to look forward and see, is Pat Sertan really going to be on this next winning Denver Broncos team? I don't know. He's still really young. He's on a rookie deal, which that's not going to last a lot longer because he's going to want over $100 million, rightfully so. One of the best cornerbacks in football. But I think Denver needs to start looking towards the future, and these are the guys to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, just adding on to Pat Sertan, I mean, because he is young, I mean, given given the fact that Denver's um, future is at the very least unknown at the time, I can't picture him wanting to stick around in Denver after – uh, you know, after his rookie deal is up. So, yeah, I totally agree. Get the cred now that you can get from him. And, and after the Dolphins game, Pat Sertan's father played for Miami, mm-hmm. who's a cornerback for them. He tweeted that basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said that his son didn't deserve all this in Denver, what's going on, all the struggles they have. And it makes me wonder, does Pat Sertan even want to be here long term? And that's something you have to evaluate in Denver because if he doesn't, shop him and get what you can get him before get what you can get for him before he eventually walks in free agency. Yeah, for sure. I think what we need is whoever talks to the team players, get somebody in a room with Patrick Sertan. Pat Sertan and gauge where he's at with this team. It's like, just Agreed. talk to the guy, find out how he's feeling about Denver, about the Broncos, about his NFL career in general. And I don't know, that should be a pretty good indication on 
what his future with the Broncos is. We're going to quickly shift gears to that week six matchup. Denver at Kansas City, Thursday night football, 48 hours from now from the time we are filming this show. It's a short week, Jake. Anything can happen. I know the Broncos are they're at rock bottom right now. But guess what? When you're, when you're at rock bottom, you can only swim up. And you never know. Could Denver pull off the upset on Thursday night? Probably not. But you never know. It's a short week. The Chiefs have a 15-game winning streak over Denver. This has been terrible for Broncos country. The Broncos haven't beaten Kansas City since Peyton Manning was donning an orange and blue uniform back in the 2015-16 season. This has been a long streak for Broncos fans. And let me tell you, Jake, a win over the Chiefs on Thursday night for Broncos country, oh, that would feel good. Yep, yep, yeah, it would feel good, absolutely. And I... Here's hoping that it happens. I I dare say I might even pray that it happens because you know I I don't like I never like picturing a team as unable to make it to the Super Bowl because I think at the beginning of the season when everybody's zero and zero there isn't a team on the on the NFL gridiron that could not make it to the playoffs and enter in the Super Bowl. It just depends on how badly you want it. So if they want this win over the Chiefs, if they truly want it, if they find a way to put on their big boy panties and suck it up for this game and just be like, you know what, we want to beat the Chiefs, set all beef aside, I think they can do it. I fully believe they can. And, you know, that's... that's big opportunity there for the Broncos. Absolutely. Kelsey, his ankle injury he sustained against Minnesota on Sunday, held him out of practice yesterday. He was limited in practice today. We'll have to keep monitoring that to see if he plays on Thursday night. I bet he will. That's a huge weapon Denver's going to have to count for. Greg Dulcich could be back for the Broncos on Thursday night. He's probably their best tight end on the roster. He can stretch the field, run routes down the field for you. I think he's a key component of the offense. Now he's coming back from a hamstring injury. You don't want to rush him back if you're Denver. I don't know if this is the week to do it, but you're kind of making your final stand of the season on Thursday night, and I think that maybe if he can go, he should go. But once again, Denver, Casey, Thursday night. <sighs> Let's go. Boy, what I love a Broncos win, Jake. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But my fandom, my hope inside me believes. The beauty of sports is they're so unpredictable. Anything can happen. And maybe, just maybe, Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, and the Denver Broncos walk out of Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night, defeating Kansas City, snapping that streak. Yeah, absolutely. 14-3, to that's my guess. 14 to 3. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of the Rocky Mountain Broncos show. As we wrap up, we want to extend our gratitude to you, to our dedicated listeners and Broncos country. Remember to stay tuned for all the latest Broncos updates and NFL action. Until next time, keep the Broncos spirit alive and may your game day be filled with orange and blue victories, hopefully on Thursday night. This is Trevorich and with my co-host Jake Neto signing off reminding you to always bleed orange and stay passionate about the game we love go Broncos and let's give a mile high salute to Denver on Thursday as they head into Arrowhead good night ladies and gentlemen let's ride